Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. So today we're joined by Joanne and she's a family physician turned stay-at-home mum, a blogger, a podcaster, loungewear designer and occasional dental assistant to her husband Scott. Joanne's also recently moved to the wonderful sound in Montana with her husband, kids, parents, aunts and sister's family, like some mad mass exodus it sounds like Joanne. (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) Bless you. Thank you for joining us over here. Oh, Shelley, thank you so much for having me. So I introduced you, you're a family physician. So just for the English audience, are you a doctor in a hospital or is that a community? What what is that for us? Mm -hmm. Well, it is, I'm actually, I'm not doing anything right now because I'm home raising my kids. I like to say I'm on my 16th year of maternity leave, but before (laughs) I had my children, I was a physician in a hospital and an outpatient clinic. So it's a doctor who sees patients at a clinic with, with appointments during the day and then makes rounds on any of those patients that end up in the hospital mornings and evenings. And then I also worked in urgent care, which is like a step down from an emergency department. So um, family physicians pretty much see every all comers. I did children all the way through elderly and um, both genders, obviously. So yeah, that's what it is. Oh, wow. Okay. So like a hospital doctor and a little bit more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's great. So your maternity leave, quite impressive. You've had... <laughs> Nobody's paying me, by Are the way. Are they not? Oh, <laughs> should have read the small print. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bless you. So 16 years ago, you made the decision to be a stay-at-home mum with your kids. How, how did that become about? What was this positive change? Yeah. Well, um, when we moved from Nebraska, which is where we were living for my husband's residency because he's a dental specialist, to Reno, Nevada, which is where we're both from, I was pregnant with our first daughter. So I left my full-time family medicine practice in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I thought, well, I'm six months pregnant. I think I'll focus on helping Scott get his practice up and running. And then after I have the baby and after I recover from that and I'm ready, then I'll start looking for a job in Reno. Well, I never felt ready. (laughs) I was so exhausted. (laughs) I was exhausted and I was overwhelmed. And I have to be honest, I think looking back, I probably had a little bit of postpartum depression after my first. I was just had no energy. I'd always, all my life, all I'd ever wanted was to be a wife and then a mother. And I know that sounds very old fashioned, but it's truly what I wanted in life. And then when I had her, although I loved her more than I could ever have imagined. And it was such a fierce and still is fierce and tender love that I haven't experienced elsewhere. It's just, there's just nothing like it. I, but it didn't, it was like, gosh, this isn't what I expected it to be. This is really, really hard. It's really taxing. And then um, our second daughter came around 22 months after our first. And I, again, had some time for recovery. And then I had two babies at home and there were two under two. Also, we had planned that I would work part-time while raising the kids and that my mom would be our nanny, 
but she had accepted a position that was really wonderful for her. And that really didn't have much to do with the decision because I just decided, you know what, there are other doctors out there that can do a very good job with the patients, but there's no other mother out there for my child. And while I think a lot of people can do it all, I just knew I couldn't. I had too many limitations. So I decided to do the thing that I was irreplaceable with. I absolutely love that. Thank you. <laughs> I really do. The whole thing, like anyone could go and do the doctor role, but only me. I can only be the mum. I absolutely love that. Thank you. And I have to tell you too. So I, because I have a background of being a physician, we all train in, it, it, well, family physicians train in medical school and then also in residency doing rotations in all different specialties because we have to have such a broad knowledge base. So I spent one month on a surgical, an inpatient surgical rotation where I was working 72 hours on, 12 hours off. Wait, does that compute? <laughs> a day and a half? No. What am I saying? Uh, not 72 hours. So it would have been 36 hours on, 12 hours off. I'm not good at math. Um, <laughs> but I always used a calculator when I calculated the dosages of medication. So don't worry. <laughs> um, but um, 36 on, 12 off for an entire month. And I have to say, having a newborn and even having a baby and a toddler it's harder than that. For me, it was more taxing. It was more exhausting. It was more emotional. It was more constant. And so I just felt like for me particularly, I, I, can't, I can't do both hard things. I just can't. I'm not going to. Uh, well, I'm still coming. Like 36 hours. <laughs> it's exhausting. It was so awful. And you know, every now and then we would get to sleep. They, were, they had a bed for us there. But you know, if patients were rolling in all night, we were up all night and then we'd have a normal day the next day. So we'd have a normal day, then we'd work all night and then have another normal day. And those days are long. Yeah, it was awful. So back-to-back shifts, not like time off. Right. Like you wouldn't work 24 hours. Like, so you wouldn't work a normal day and then work all night and then be relieved by the guy that came in the next day. The guy that came in the next day would just join you. You would do your day together and then you would go off and then he would take the next night and then you would go back in and join him. So it was um, just a very constant, very taxing. And I think, I think, um, just awful, honestly, way to train physicians because we obviously you're not at your best when you've been up for 36 hours. You just can't be. No, I actually, I think when I, cause I left, no, I say we've got quite similar backgrounds actually. So I'm from a medical background. I was a nurse and I think probably if I was honest with myself, one of the reasons for like leaving nursing would have to be night shifts. Oh yes. Isn't it? Oh, it's The night shifts are so awful. It turns you on your ear, especially for nurses who sometimes only will have night shifts most of the time. And now there are hospitalists who sometimes do night shifts. That's more common in our country than when it was when I was training. But when I was training, the doctors that were there at night weren't not there during the day. But the nurses who were there at night a lot of times were just night nurses. And then their entire world and life is completely backwards for most of their loved ones. And that would be so hard. Oh, it's awful. Like on the first night, I used to wear scrubs when I worked nights. And the first night you go in, you think, oh my God, I'm so cool. Look at my scrubs. <laughs> Second night is like, okay, don't speak to me. I will bite your face. <laughs> and by, like, by the third night, it's just like, I just hate my life. I'm going to vomit. I don't mm -hmm. remember when I last slept. And it's just really disorientating. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's just evil. So I think that would be one of my reasons for leaving nursing. So all of your medical people out there, you rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I mean, ones that hung yeah, with it. Yeah. Thank you. Somebody yeah. has to do it, but it's not going to be us. Yeah, <laughs> Joe and I, Joanne and I, we we bow to you. We are not worthy, but it's just, yes, we do. It's, <laughs> it's just awful. 
I say I left nursing um returned as well and then I remembered why I left, why I left the first time but um so, yeah, I have which, nightmares that I've returned does that yeah. count I wake up going oh thank god that's not true <laughs> I'm having a sweat is it the menopause oh no I thought I was back in nursing um <laughs> you have these panicky moments don't you yeah anyone I'd just like to say any shout outs to student nurses you're doing a great job carry on in you'll love it honest it's wonderful um <laughs> Yes, that is it really, you know, I really do miss medicine. I love medicine. And the thing I love the most about it was connecting with my patients and being able to really provide them with thorough, thoughtful, careful care. And sometimes I would get the honor of being able to alleviate concern. And that was just, that would make my day. It just was such a wonderful experience. But what I learned and what I didn't know when I was young is that it didn't fit into my life in addition to the, the other ways I wanted my life to look and to have a home that was welcoming and well taken care of and to have children who saw their mom regularly and could you know count on me to be at their events, et cetera. So I, it isn't that I didn't love medicine, I did. And I still have girlfriends who are physicians and I, I eat up their stories. And my mother-in-law likes to say, oh, Joanne, you still practice medicine. You just have a very small concierge practice. Nobody pays you. (laughs) 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 I'm sure like you, I'm just, I give medical advice left and right. And I always make sure I say, now I'm not licensed anymore. This is my personal opinion. (laughs) And I'm very quick to say, I don't know. You need to talk to a doctor if I don't know. So I'm still, you know, we're never, we never are, completely away from it just because it is part of who we are. It's a thread through the fabric of who we are, but I decided I wasn't going to let it define me and it wasn't the center of my identity. So I can still be a full and intact and wonderful person and pivot into something different with my life. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. We we make it sound really easy, but do you have any tips that you could share with professional mums out there who are wanting to adjust to that kind of stay at home role? How, you know, what did you do to get through it? Yes, I do. And I am going to, I actually wrote an article about that called uh, surviving being a professional turn stay at home mom. And I have multiple tips on there. I'm just going to open it for you if you don't mind. So I don't miss any of it. Okay. Um, Aha. Survival guide for the professional turn stay at home mom, a parenting survival guide. And, you know, I was a very, very happy physician, but I realized pretty quickly that It was okay to give my husband my crappy leftovers at the end of the day because that's about all I had left after working a whole shift as a doctor. But I didn't think that that was going to be good enough for my kids. And when I came to that realization, I transitioned into being a stay-at-home mom. And one of the things I really missed was routine and schedule. When you have a baby at home, they don't know they're supposed to be on any kind of a schedule. And I really missed that. So I tried to infuse my week with what schedule I could. I like structures. Not everybody does, but that's one of the things I missed about working. So I would do like Monday market day, Tuesday, wash the towels and sheets, Wednesday, wash the clothes, Thursday, pay the bills. And that really sort of gave me an anchor to my days because when you have kids at home, there's not much of an anchor. No. (laughs) Yeah. You're just all over the place. So, and then you realize, oh my gosh, it's been three weeks since I've done this or that. How could I have let that go? And so for me, just having those, those memory triggers too helped me to make sure I was getting everything done that I needed. The next thing is to have rituals and treat yourself. There are things that you give yourself no matter how your day or week went that are so important. These are unconditional rewards for staying in the game. Like 
your morning coffee. Don't not, do not deprive <sighs> yourself of these things Ooh. that you love <laughs> and don't, don't act like you're being selfish by just by saying, I'm going to do these things for myself. Another thing for me, it, not so much anymore because it gives me a headache, but drinking a glass of wine while I'm cooking dinner. These are things that I treated myself to that made the day more tolerable and made the moment feel more special. I'm glad you said you had wine while you're having dinner, not with breakfast, because then I would be slightly alarmed. (laughs) Yeah, no, just one glass of wine while cooking. (laughs) Cooking dinner. It wasn't even having dinner. I found that when I, when my kids were little, the time when I was cooking dinner was the most stressful time of the 24 hour period. I don't know if the kids were like, they're fussy and they're kind of hungry and you're trying to do 10 things at once. And you're trying to put this meal on and your husband's calling you saying he's going to be half hour later, whatever. And it was just really stressful. So for me, having a glass of wine during that time was really nice. It helped me kind of focus on the joy and the appreciation of the wine and not so much the chaos of the of the time. Here's a, here's a small thing that I found to be really important and helpful for me, but it might not be for everybody. And that is the, uh, the, the second worst time of day besides cooking dinner was the bedtime routine time of day. And so if I could start the bedtime routine with a full stomach and an empty bladder, it just (laughs) (laughs) made me so much more patient. And the, and patience is something I had, you know, in short supply. Sometimes when the kids are wanting another 10th drink of water and, oh, I think I might have to go potty again. Oh, can you read me one more book? And it's like, I just want to get into my, onto my sofa, into my own head and have a little time to myself. And so it's hard to be patient. <laughs> <sighs> so the next thing I think is really important to remember is exercise. When you're working, you're in such a good routine that you can usually fit exercise in. Once your day melts into the chaos of being a stay-at-home mom, you sometimes put that to the back burner. And I'm saying, even if you can make a lap around the grocery store with your shopping cart before you start loading it, it doesn't have to be some kind of intense exercise, but just something that kind of gets your blood pumping as many days of the week as you can. It'll just keep your mind and your body healthier. Yeah. I think getting out of the house is a big one. Even if you've got the most beautiful house, it's just, I mean, we've got a dog now. But it's just like getting out of the house, mother nature, just listen to other people's mundane conversations. So know mm-hmm. that there is life outside your four walls. We call it cabin fever. Do you say cabin fever? That's exactly what we call yeah. it too. And <laughs> there is something so magical about a change of scenery. And that's, and not to mention the nature, because I think the light in your eyes and the fresh air and seeing trees and grass is super important too. But if you can't get to a place that looks like that, even just a change of scenery is so, you know, renewing. The other thing I think is really important is to keep in touch with friends from your profession. That I have a a couple of my very best girlfriends are family physicians. And so I can sort of keep my foot in the door. I don't like reading the, the journals. I'm super turned off by those for whatever reason. So I don't read them. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't watch medical shows on TV because they're so awfully inaccurate medically, but I do love to talk medicine with my girlfriends. See, that's really interesting because I'm the opposite. I like to do my own research. I still still get like the nursing standard, like into my inbox every day. Oh, really? Yeah. Still love like palliative care and things like that. Mm -hmm. But like if People are still nursing. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I don't want to talk to her. <laughs> oh no. Oh, isn't thanks, that interesting? No th- yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. I didn't wow. research. <laughs> Fascinating. 
One of the big things that I think is really important too, when you're home with kids and you're in the mess of it is to keep perspective. I believe this earth isn't our final home. And I think this dovetails into what you like to talk about too, but I think this earth is a place where we learn to love God and each other. And when I'm stressing out about plastic storage containers or high fructose corn syrup, remembering the eternity of our souls takes the pressure off. I always try to do what's best for my kids. But if I mess up, I remember that our eternal life is what really matters. And plastics and toxins don't play into that very much, you know? It's true. But in that moment when you can't find the lid of your plastic tub, I get why people lose it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I do too. It's like, you need to clean out your, we call it Tupperware over here. If you need to clean out your Tupperware container relatively often, or you might lose your marbles. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to swear too much, but we do, we think it's called Tupperware, but it's like Tupperware's the bloody lid. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> they're like, where, where is it? And it, they never oh match. And it turns into some kind of like baby development thing where you're trying to get all the tubs that yes. size, all the lids, and you have to match them like those odd socks that go into the washing machine. That's right. And then if you can't, if you can't find the, you're, you're not going to be able to find the lid to your very favorite type of container. So then you don't want to throw it away because you think, well, I love yes. this one. It's the right size. So if I find the lid, I'll be so mad that I threw it away. And that's how it starts to go down the drain. You know, It's true. You can't let it go because it could come in handy anyway, couldn't it? It never does. And then you throw it and then you will find the lid three years and one day later, you will find the lid. Hang on in there. And you'll forget you've thrown away the bottom. Then you'll keep the lid and say, this was a great one. If I find the bottom, I might, I'll be mad. I threw away the lid. It's like a never ending cycle. <laughs> we know, we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So the one, another tip I have is to find other moms to complain to. Now I'm not saying this to, <laughs> to mire in negativity. This is not to spiral into any kind of negativity, but I'm serious. I, and I complained to my sister. She's a mom too. And we encourage each other and we try troubleshoot. There's so much troubleshooting that can come from just voicing a frustration. So don't think that you're a bad mom or a bad friend if you just need to complain to somebody. It is so useful. I think it can be very productive and very positive. It Um, is. Yeah. We always feel we're alone and the worst parent and we hit parenting mm, lows. mm -hmm. And then I'll text my mate and she'll just be like, oh my God, yeah, there was such Mm -hmm. a, we won't say bad words, but you know. The child was such a wally this morning. We'll put it like that. And you're yes. just sort of like, you look at them thinking, did I make you? Where did you come from? And where is your mother? Yeah. yeah. What is that really unsuitable gene that you're displaying there? <laughs> oh, totally. Oh, one of the other things that's gotten me through the mundaneness of being a basically a, you know, a house of somebody who runs a house, a homemaker is to pair the mundane tasks with something you love and something I love is podcasts. So when I'm folding laundry or I'm doing dishes or I'm vacuuming the carpet, I am always listening to a podcast and I don't allow myself to listen to them unless I'm doing something mundane like driving or exercising or cleaning. And that really makes me much more likely to decide to do those things that I otherwise would put off. Oh, wow. Yeah. So is that like a is that like a tool that you use to help you? Yes, I I manipulate myself and it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, you could brand it. We could call it self therapy. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to do a lot of that on my very own best patient and worst patient, all rolled into one. <laughs> we are the worst. <laughs> oh my gosh! One of the other things that I have found is so important is to figure out what you miss most about working and try to get a little bit of that. And I've already told you a little bit about what I missed about medicine, but one of the other things I miss, and this seems superficial, but 
honestly, it isn't when I really think about it. I miss dressing professionally. I love clothes and I love fashion. So I allow myself to buy an outfit that I might not have an occasion for. And then I make myself come up with an occasion to wear the outfit. And it just fills that, you know, it's almost kind of a hobby to me that I thought I would have to give up when I was staying home. But I, then I said to myself, no, you don't. I don't have to give that up. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. Yep. So the other thing is not to forget the small joys. That's very sort of complimentary to the last one, but I think it's so important. If you like home decor and you can, you're overwhelmed by decorating your whole house, just decorate your mantle. It'll make you happy every time you look at it. Oh, so these are really doable. I don't even know if that's a word, Joanne. It is totally. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Today it is. <laughs> no, but I say that, you know, these are things that you can apply to your day this very day and maybe improve the quality of your life. And they also go for people who weren't professionals and are now stay at home parents. These can apply for any parent, but I really feel like the contrast between my professional life and my home life was made so much more stark by the fact that I was married for six years before I had kids. I worked probably 80 hours a week and I got a decent paycheck for what I did. And then all of that was gone once I was yeah. home with my, my, the marriage obviously wasn't gone, but you know, that <laughs> <laughs> the marriage was still every bit there, but <laughs> don't worry, Scott. Yeah. Scott's listening. Yeah. That's you're not, not gone, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, so anyway, just to, just to, um, be able to tolerate that stark contrast between sort of a high powered um, life that has a lot of accolades and something that's a little more thinkless. It, you know, it, take, it takes everything you can, you, you just have to try everything you can to, to make sure that the transition goes well. The other, here's another thing. And I don't, I know some of you out there are stay at home or uh, single parents. And so this doesn't necessarily have to be your husband, but that person that's closest to you, figure out what your love language is and tell that person about it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about with love languages, I feel like it's a really important concept and you can just Google the five love languages and easily find a quiz. My love language is words of affirmation. So when my husband tells me, you are such a good mom, it fills my tank and keeps me going. <laughs> if he bought me a gift, I'd be, you know, if he buys me flowers, I'm like, babe, why'd you spend $50 on flowers? Like, I don't say that out loud because that's rude, but he's also pretty frugal, so he wouldn't do that. But you know what I mean? So... <laughs> so <laughs> Some people like words of affirmation. Some people like quality time. Some people need physical touch to feel loved. Some people need to receive gifts to feel loved. And some people need um, meaningful conversation. So those are the five different ways in which we receive love. And we tend to want to give our spouse love in the way we best receive it. But that isn't really the, the best way to do it. So not only to find yours, but to find that person who's really important in your life, find out what theirs is so that you can show them love in a way that computes for them. So those are my tips to tolerating being a stay-at-home parent after being a professional. <laughs> Bless you. So that was called My Love Language. Is that what you called it? The, fi the Five Love Languages. And it, the author, it, it's a book. I wouldn't necessarily recommend the book. I think you can really get the gist of it by just looking up a synopsis online. But the, the guy who came up with the construct is Gary Chapman. And I think it's an exceedingly useful construct. And you can just link to the quiz. I'll actually email you a link to a quiz that I'm linking to in my blog post. Or you can just come to my blog post and then scroll down to number 14. And I have a link to the quiz there. So don't buy Gary's book. You can buy my book, Positive Changes, a self-kick book. And then you can just Google Gary. That's right. And, Do, yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I, and I, Gary Chapman, if you 
ever hear of this, which I, <laughs> I'm sure you won't, but just because I don't want to hurt your feelings, your construct has changed my life, but your book was not my cup of tea. It was a little bit sugary sweet for me, and that's just not my jam. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just must be our warped medical humor. I'm sorry, yes. Gary. Yeah, yeah, I know, Gary. See, you gotta, you have to excuse us. We aren't... I talked to somebody else recently. Yeah, we're not normal. I talked to somebody else and was like, oh, they were like, what? Oh, I loved that. And I was like, oh, maybe it's just me. I'm sorry. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bless it. Now, you were talking earlier about clothes, how you used to love dressing up professionally and things like that. Mm -hmm. But this is what I find fascinating. So you design loungewear. I do. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you do know that you design loungewear. You sound surprised. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that for a minute. No, yeah, I do. So this came about because I have this mentality that when I get home at the end of the day, no matter if I'm working or once I'm a stay-at-home mom, I feel like I have to take off my bra. I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing Uh, anybody, but but the bra is the like the daily nemesis, right? You have to wear one. I mean, you can't be flapping in the breeze and turning on your headlights at random times during the day. So you wear a nice supportive bra that, you know, is flattering under your clothes. Well, when I get home, that thing is coming off, but I hear you. I need a little bit of support and I need a little bit of coverage so that if my friend, my kids have a friend over or God forbid the doorbell should ring, I don't traumatize <laughs> the UPS man, right? And then I, t- I tend to want to continue with that while I'm sleeping so that I don't get the whole breast in the armpit situation when I'm rolling over, which now you kind of have an idea of what my body's shaped like. But um, <laughs> so I started out by wearing what we call a shelf bra tank. So it's just like a s- spaghetti strap top that is sleeveless and has a little second layer up top that has some support and coverage with little pads that kind of hide the nipple area. And I wanted, I thought, why don't they have whole wardrobes that have these in them? Because this gives me just exactly what I need, but I'm still having the mental, you know, relief of getting my bra off. And so I designed a line of loungewear that has this in there are two different dresses two different tops and then the there are two different bottoms that go with the tops and then not only do they have the perfect cozy shelf bra with just the right amount of padding so you don't feel like you have a golf ball in your shirt um, <laughs> each outfit also has a phone pocket because you got to listen to your podcast when you're doing your dishes right you gotta have your phone in your pocket if your headphones are like mine you can't cross the whole house they won't stay connected so anyway yeah so you're right I had never thought about the connection between the fact that I design loungewear. So when I am at home, I insist on being in what I call my cozy clothes. That's why my blog is called um, cozy, the cozy clothes blog. But when I'm out, I looked, I like to look really put together and I really miss the professional outfits. And I'm not talking about business suits. I was more business casual. So I'd have like the, the pretty dress trousers and maybe a really cute flattering tank top and the jewelry to, or not tank top t-shirt and the jewelry to match and some really nice shoes. And I just really miss, missed that aspect of the things that I was interested in. So. So I had a nurse's dress, which was like starched within an inch of its life. And I honestly oh. don't know why people think that the nurse in uniform is sexy. It, it kind of almost <laughs> crunches as you walk. Yes. It's hideous. <laughs> and the yeah. skirt's long. I mean, it's like, yeah, you're right. It's not figure flattering. And then you have to have the orthotic shoes on. <laughs> oh, it's just not good. Look, is it? I don't think so. <laughs> so your business name, I've got it down as Shelfie Shop. Is that right? Do you want to introduce that? That's right. So the 
the, it's called Shelfy Shop because I really like alliteration and my podcast is fancy free and my blog is cozy clothes. So you can see where, how my brain works. <laughs> But the reason it's called Shelfie Shop and you get you from the Shelfie Shop, you buy your Shelfies is because of the shelf bra. And I wanted the name to be rather descriptive of what the product is. And it's a little bit of a hard sell because people already obviously have at home what they're comfortable wearing at home. But I just figured I could, if I can improve upon this for myself, maybe other people will, will think that it's an improvement for them too. And I'm actually in the midst as we speak of manufacturing my first batch. And in a month or two, I will have my Shopify shop online, which is going to be shelfyshop.com. And it's shop, S-H-O-P-P-E, not because I'm fancy, but because Shelfie <laughs> Shop was, because the, just the S-H-O-P was already taken. <laughs> yeah. Obviously meant to be. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So my husband always says, okay, so your email is, is joanne.shelfyshoppy. And I'm like, babe, come on. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> Oh, bless you. Your life sounds fascinating. It truly does. So we've got all these things going on. You've got the blogs, the podcast, the loungewear. Occasionally you're helping Scott with all things dental. So what mm -hmm. else have you got planned for the year ahead and beyond? My parents just built a house next door to our house because we purchased an acreage in Montana and they are just getting settled in. So that's really exciting. And my podcast is ramping up. I'm loving that. Once I have inventory for my shelfie shop, I'm going to do some local shows and carnivals and kind of have a booth where people can come in and see the clothes and feel them and try them on. So I'm really excited about that. Um, we did just, Scott and I just got a our mobile endodontic practice up and running. So we provide root canals for people who live in rural areas so they don't have to drive all the way into the city and waste an entire day. And because that practice is very unpredictable as far as where we're going to be when, he said, there's no way I'm going to be able to hire an assistant to do this. So Joanne, you're just going to have to do be the assistant. And I was like, what now? <laughs> Not because I'm above it, but because I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I don't like to do things I don't know how to do, but I'm learning and you know what? I'm loving it. So I'm getting to spend more time with my husband. I'm get to, getting to see him work and do what he does so well. And I'm so proud of him. He's so good at it. And it looks so hard. <laughs> oh, bless you. Are you any good? Because I recently had dental work done and it was a little bit rubbish. I think she was a student dental nurse. And it's like when you have to have that I should know this is a nurse, isn't it? One of those sucky things. The section. Yeah, it's just the section. Yeah. Are you any good at that? Or do you seem to brutally attack tongues as well, like this lady did to me? I'm totally terrible. And here's the thing. So there's, okay. there's the, um, I'm, I'm, but I'm getting better. There are two kinds of section. There's the, the saliva. Painful one. Yep. There's the painful one. That's the high speed. And that is so that you don't drown when the dentist is drilling and there's water coming out of his drill. And that has to, it has to be high enough suction so that the water just streams through the air to the suction and doesn't land first. And then the saliva ejector, or I don't remember exactly oh, wow. what you call it, is something different and it's a lower speed suction. And that's the one you can put up against the tongue and it doesn't hurt. Well, no. Okay. Let me tell you what I've done. And I am better now, but the very first day we were working <laughs> together. Okay. So I don't know if the dental assistants in the UK sit on really tall chairs that have this little like bar in the front and there's a, they're tall. So you put your feet up on this rod that's at sort of foot height but and then you lean way over to treat the patient well I did not know nobody told me you have to keep your feet on that rod if you put your, <laughs> try to put your feet on the floor and lean forward your chair is top heavy and it will topple so I toppled over onto the patient 
And luckily he knew that I was the doctor's wife and that I was new at this. And he was laughing so hard. God bless him under, you know, behind his rubber dam, his belly shaking. It was so, and then uh, later that same day, different patient, luckily I squirted a lady right in the face. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Squirted her right in the face. And I was like, Oh my gosh, so, oh my gosh I'm so sorry. And she laughed her head off. So, <laughs> but, um, so neither of those errors have I made again. But the suction, okay. the high-speed suction where you by mistake trap the tongue, that happens. I hate it. But one of the good things for me is that 99% of the time Scott's working, there's a rubber dam. And so the tongue is not within reach. <laughs> so it's so good. It's, it's yeah. So I, I don't know how they do it with a general dentistry because a lot of times there's no rubber dam on there and the whole mouth is just gaping there for, for abuse. It's you know? to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, bless you. So... People are going to absolutely love you when they listen to this. Aww. So please tell them like where they can follow you and your wonderful world. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, my I have two Instagram accounts. One is Fancy Free Podcast, and that is in association with my podcast, Fancy Free, that you can find on all podcast apps and um, devices. My Fancy Free Podcast is a podcast where my guests and I tell our most embarrassing stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfection. And it is so much fun. And Shelly was good enough to be a guest. And so you'll have to hop over there and hear some of her embarrassing stories. (laughs) (laughs) My other Instagram account is I've Got Dishes because I love a play on words. And I used to be really undisciplined about doing dishes until they were piling up. And then I would say, I've got dishes. And um, so it's, it's I-V-E-G-O-T-D-I-S-H-U-E-S. That's my personal Instagram account. But I put a lot of stuff about my blog and things on there too. My blog is cozyclothesblog.com. My shop is shelfyshop.com. And I have a Facebook page, the Fancy Free Podcast, Shelfie Shop Facebook page. And then I also have a private Facebook group called Fancy Free, where we can tell each other embarrassing things that happen and we don't have to tell the world at large. So those are all the places where you can find me. Oh, that's fabulous. So I'll pop those in the show notes because I think you've been hilarious. Absolutely (laughs) brighten my day. Oh, likewise. We are a pair. We're just cracking each other up. With our warped humour, oh, people yeah. just sit there, won't they? Listen to the podcast thinking, I don't get it, but they seem really happy. <laughs> uh, they seem to really think it's funny. So, <laughs> yeah, they might feel like they're intruding on a moment uh-huh. with us, but yes. <laughs> well, Joanne Jarrett, you have been amazing. Thank you ever so much. Oh, Shelley, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you found this podcast interesting, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or or wherever you have listened to this episode. Don't forget to make sure that you've subscribed to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. Until next week, keep creating those small positive changes. I've been Shelley F. Knight and you've been amazing. Thank you for listening.